0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, July 14th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show...
1: This is the worst that has ever been for spread of cases in our state. It is the most stressed our hospital system has been to date.
0: The governor calls for diligence and tighter restrictions in 13 counties go into effect. Then, outbreaks in long-term care facilities are on the rise again. We look at how the current wave of transmission is reaching this vulnerable population. Plus, as the beginning of the school year approaches, we look at how teachers are preparing return. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hospitalizations from the coronavirus are climbing in Mississippi and officials are trying to slow the spread of the virus to prevent the state's healthcare system from being overwhelmed. 13 counties in Mississippi are under a mandatory mask order as coronavirus cases continue to surge across the state. Governor Tate Reeves says such measures are needed because there's been resistance to personal mitigation efforts.
1: This is the worst that has ever been for spread of cases In our state, it is the most stressed our hospital system has been to date. Right now, there is a backlash against coronavirus mitigation. It's understandable. The sky's falling predictions of the spring were not realized, but we need to understand that that is partly because there were some who spun themselves up and could not control their rhetoric. But it's also important that we understand it is mostly because back then, just a few short weeks ago, we all took the coronavirus at least somewhat seriously. Some took extraordinary measures to protect themselves and their loved ones, but everyone was willing to do something. Right now, it seems like there's a good number of people who have resigned themselves to spreading the virus or they believe that it is not real. I hear that all the time. I'm telling you it is real. It is very real.
0: Coronavirus hospitalizations in Mississippi have almost doubled in the past month and state health officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says some hospitals have added more beds but many of the state's largest hospitals are operating at maximum capacity.
2: Um, If we look at uh, hospital utilization, it's something we continue to watch with great concern. Um, We've had uh, an increase in total cases hospitalized, 758 uh, confirmed cases today, with an additional 262 suspects for a total number of 1,020. If we look at our ICU utilization, that has increased as well to 208, and ventilator use has increased to 110. Uh, Again, things that we are not surprised about and predicted because the the hospitalizations and deaths – follow over time from when, when the cases start um, elevating. If we look at a bed availability um, in the Jackson area, there are four hospitals currently with no intensive care unit beds available. Uh, in, um, in the state, there are eight hospitals with no ICU capacity available. Um, I would like to commend hospitals for adding capacity. Four Mississippi hospitals have added ICU beds from their surge capacity and are staffing them to meet the need of Mississippi patients.
0: During a joint press conference with the governor yesterday, Dobbs also addressed speculation regarding inflated case numbers.
2: As a little bit of uh, myth busters, I would like to go ahead and say a couple things real quickly. Every time you test someone, it doesn't matter. One person is one case. People ask me over and over again, if we test someone three times, does that count as three cases? Absolutely not. If we test someone 20 times, the same person is going to be just one case. So there is no case inflation for number of tests by individual Please, um, we need to set that rumor to rest. The other thing is people have asked about is the antibodies. Are we driving up our case count with antibodies? Absolutely not. Of our total uh, 36,680 cases, um, 285 are from antibody tests. So it's a small number, and and it's only people who have a positive antibody test and either symptoms consistent with coronavirus or a known personal contact. So that's not driving up the numbers. It's coronavirus that's driving up the numbers itself.
0: Governor Reeves says he's heard from residents regarding the rising cases and the need for herd immunity. Reeves says it's not a viable solution in Mississippi.
1: Our experts tell me that herd immunity means somewhere between 70 and 80% of the people have contracted the virus. Let's just for a second say that our experts are, are wrong by half. So rather than saying 80%, let's say 40% of our people would have to have contracted the virus uh, for us to have herd immunity in Mississippi. We have 3 million people in our state. 40% of 3 million is 1.2 million people. We've had 36,000 cases. Just those 36,000 cases over a nearly five-month period have led us to a situation in which our hospitals are at capacity. Herd immunity as a solution does not work. It doesn't work in our state, and I don't believe it works anywhere else, unless you're comfortable with literally tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of Mississippians who need medical care being unable to receive it. That is not a strategy worth considering, in my humble opinion.
0: Reeves also says he understands those who are skeptical about the effectiveness of masks, but is urging Mississippians to mask up.
1: And so I fully understand and fully appreciate those uh, who remain skeptical. Uh, All I can do is say to the people of this state, um, I'm telling you, trust me on this. This is a real issue in our state. And so we believe at this time that by wearing a mask, you can not only protect yourself, but you can protect others. Is wearing a mask in public foolproof? Does it guarantee that no spread is going to occur? No, it does not. But it can go a long way towards helping. And when you combine wearing a mask in public, socially distancing, staying at least six feet apart at all times, and you combine that with the other measures that we have in place, it can make a real difference. I'm not going to be able to be in every community and say, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And, oh, by the way, these individuals across the state who have decided that, hey, we're going to mask shame you, on either side, we're going to shame you because you're wearing a mask, or we're going to shame you because you won't wear a mask, that is not helpful. Every Mississippian has to get it through their own head that this is the right thing to do. Are we going to get 100% compliance? No. But if we can get 80 or 90 or 95 percent compliance, it will go a long way towards helping us.
0: Stay up to date with the latest in coronavirus related news by visiting mpbonline.org coronavirus. Coming up, outbreaks in long term care facilities are on the rise again. We look at how the current wave of transmission is reaching this vulnerable population. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Nearly 50% of COVID-19-related deaths in Mississippi are occurring in long-term care facilities. There are more than 100 coronavirus outbreaks in nursing homes and long-term care settings across the state. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the rise, based on the recent widespread community transmission,
2: is not a surprise. We're seeing more and more uh, infections and outbreaks in long-term care uh, facilities again not a surprise right i mean we they reflect what happens in the community and the people who work in long-term care settings nursing homes are the same people who live in communities where coronavirus is being transmitted so you know it, it, we're all connected if you're 20 years old and your board is sitting around home you know you go, going out and party and may, may inadvertently kill somebody else's grandma in the nursing home as you perpetuate the pandemic
0: Yesterday, the Mississippi Department of Health reported a total of 3,000 cases among residents and a little over 600 total deaths. Tony Hamrick is president of the Mississippi Healthcare Association and is also administrator of Columbia Rehab and Healthcare. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood it's going to take a community effort to slow the spread among the state's most vulnerable.
3: Things did settle down. I think we were very focused on uh in the community which therefore affects nursing homes and uh in all in all settings and i think that's how we managed to get our numbers down and of course as people relaxed and um began to interact in the community more and uh uh, increase their risk uh it increases the risk everywhere there are more than there were last week and i think it has simply to do with the community relaxing its standards on masks and things of that nature and social distancing and, you know, things that we should personally be aware of and, and practice
4: you know some some would like to assume that it's pretty much impossible to control the virus from getting inside of these facilities knowing that residents live there but staff and 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 workers are in the community um i want to ask you about protocol is is there sort of a standard that facilities are using or communicating with workers and staff um so that they won't be exposed to as many risks in the community that will then, you know, has the potential to come into the facility.
3: Yes. To answer your first question, is it is it possible to keep it out or is it impossible to keep it out? Um, you know, I've been COVID-free in my building, and I'm fortunate, and I thank God for that. Um, to, to To say that you could always keep it out, you're at, the, you're at the risk of your least uh, proactive employee if you've got an employee. And we started off early on educating our employees that, um, you know, we can't tell you what to do when you get home. We can tell you this is how the virus is spread. Uh, we can ask you to do these things if you're going to be an employee here because the way you live at home right now, unfortunately, does affect the health of a, of a vulnerable adult. And we preach that every day uh but uh you're right what uh the staff it, it doesn't come from within from within the nursing home it's brought in from the outside
4: talk to me about what happens after um it, it gets into the building how is contact tracing and and capacity for isolation in facilities
3: well most facilities or i feel like all facilities were urged early on before uh we reached this stage uh To go ahead and set up spaces for quarantining uh, and isolation should that become uh, a need and of course it has become a need so all silks should have had a designated hall or wing that they uh, prepared uh, for these residents to be moved to uh, once there was a, a positive case or a suspected case it's a regular hall and they're treated with the same care they would if they were in their regular room, but they're monitored for uh, signs and symptoms throughout the day, temperature checks throughout the day, oxygen saturation throughout the day. It's just a closer set of eyes and more monitoring for 14 days until we see that they're clear and can be moved into the resident uh, regular resident population. So that's, that's what we do to prevent uh, every aspect of it that we can upon admission and readmission is that extra monitoring that extra
4: quarantine. Okay, I'm glad you answered. Well, you you stated that because I was actually going to ask you that next. Um so, but I am happy to hear that in your facility uh it is COVID free and uh, of course we're always hoping it stays that way. But as you hear the number of cases and deaths in long-term care facilities elsewhere in the state. Um and, and like you said, these these are these are these are some of our most vulnerable people. Um you know, What comes to mind? Like, what are you thinking when you hear that and you see the numbers every day?
3: Well, what comes to mind uh, is still education and to reinforce with my staff every day uh, that the way you live your life outside this facility affects the life of a resident in this facility. And I'm thankful that I have a staff that embraces that and, um, and takes it very seriously. And I think that for the most part, they do practice safety outside facility, so um, therefore it's, it's it's just required that we, as the leaders in these facilities, teach these staff members, educate them of the risk, uh, say a prayer, and hope for the best, uh, and hope they take it seriously and keep all your monitoring systems in place, and um, that's 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 a, that's really all you can do to protect your residents everybody wear your mask when you're out uh wash your hands keep your hands away from your face don't assume that everything's anything's clean keep sanitizer handy keep everything uh sanitized realize that you're a risk uh bringing a risk into your family to your elderly parents who may not be in a long-term care setting uh you're a risk to your children and to everyone you come in contact with if you're not doing everything that you can to, to protect yourself which is masking, hand-washing, keeping your hands away from your face, and sanitizing. If you do all of those things and do it like you should and uh, all the time, you're basically not going to get COVID. That's my opinion as a nurse.
4: Well, Tony Hamrick, President of the Mississippi Healthcare Association, again, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about what's happening in our long-term care facilities.
3: Ashley, my pleasure.
4: Coming up, as the beginning of the school
0: year approaches, we look at how teachers are preparing return. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. Join me on Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast about the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. And of course, All of MPB's other great podcasts are there, too. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Coming August 1st to your favorite podcasting app. This is MPB
4: Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Trump administration is continuing its effort to pressure schools across the country to resume traditional education in the fall. During a roundtable event at the White House yesterday, the president made his position clear.
3: Schools should be opened. Schools should be opened. These kids want to go to school. You're losing a lot of lives by keeping things closed.
0: In Mississippi, Governor Reeves says he would also like to see schools open and will continue to monitor the situation and coordinate with school districts. Uh,
1: I do think it's important that we can that we get our kids back in school. I believe it's very important to, for everyone to understand that we can do it in a safe, responsible way. Um, but we're going to continue to monitor it, and we're going to continue to work with our school districts. Um, we've asked for and received uh, numerous plans from all across the state on on what I would call their various phases of how they get kids back in school and and because we I think there's a general consensus that we need to get our kids back in school we
0: talk of schools reopening has often been focused on what parents and students need but a resumption of traditional instruction would also require thousands of teachers administrators and staff to navigate the dangers that come with gathering in school buildings during the height of a pandemic. Cagney Weaver is an academic strategist at Biloxi Upper Elementary. She shares a teacher's perspective as schools across the state prepare to return. At
5: this point uh, Biloxi has released um, opening plans, um, both to the public and to the schools, you know, the school's opening plans are, um, they've been drafted so that we are ready for them. Um, but they have, but you know, as with anything, everything's subject, subject to change at this point.
0: Did students have distance learning once the pandemic closed the schools in the spring? Yes, ma'am.
5: Um, Biloxi schools was very, um, very on top of getting um, distance learning to students. We had a lot. Um, we use Google Classroom a lot. So, you know, we were already on top of having that um, online uh, platform for students. You know, we, so we were definitely in a good position. We're also, um, we have lots of technology um, as well. Our district has worked really hard to provide technology to our students and everything. Um, so I definitely feel, um, you know, that, what schools were shut down that Biloxi was, you know, already on top of um, getting distance learning to students.
0: What are your thoughts about returning to the school building, both for students, yourself, and teachers?
5: Mm -hmm. So my my opinions are solely mine. Um, My concern is just, you know, we have uh, a large population of students who have homes that also include grandparents, um, you know, uh, elderly uh, extended family, things like that. So that's really a, a main concern for me is just them, um, bringing it home, uh, to other family members. Um, I think that's really my biggest concern, um, are as you, far
0: as this goes. Are you concerned about yourself, your own health?
5: Um, I am, I, you know, I, I guess, I'm maybe at this point, um, you know, trying to use my rose-colored glasses. You know, I have two children. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, my, my 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 parents and my in-laws are both in their sixties, pretty healthy. Um, so, as far as my personal health, I'm really not. I'm not concerned now. I wear my mask everywhere, and I Germex and everything. You know, to do everything I can to to protect myself since we've been out. Um, but I guess. I guess in the scheme of things, you know, as teachers do, we we often put other people before us. Um, So the the safety for our community members and our students is, you know, before
0: mine. (laughs) Are you confident that uh, Biloxi Upper Elementary will take the proper procedures to social distance um, and provide masks? Will masks be mandatory? Will there be Plenty of hand sanitizer around? So, um, at Biloxi schools, masks are mandatory at this point. Even if teachers go
5: up to work, we have to wear masks. Um, uh, I feel that our school is doing a great job, you know, with with the mandates that are in place, with the CDC, that MDE has put out and everything. Um, You know, we're doing the absolute best that we possibly can to keep everybody safe. Um, You know, there's uh, procedures for moving around the school, for eating breakfast, for, um, you know, work in the classroom and so on and so forth. Um, you know, we just want to make sure that everybody's staying as safe as possible. Um, you know, but another issue is, you know, you can't, um, you know, there's, there's things working against uh, the decision to return to school. So that, that's kind of the, the issue it, that's really at the heart of everything.
0: What have you heard from, or have you talked with any parents or um, fellow teachers to, to just get a sense of overall feelings about returning to school? Um, I have. I've, I've talked to other educators, you know, and I've I've heard
5: all kinds of things. I've heard, you know, um, some educators saying we shouldn't go back. I've heard people say yes, we should be back. You know, I can't wait to get back, and you know. Like I said, as, as teachers, you know, I think we're we're uh, naturally nurturing people, you know. So we want to we want to see our kids. We want to hug them. Obviously, we're not going to be able to, but you know, um, we want to uh, you know do what's best for our students. So, you know, people come from all walks of life. Um, you know, the teacher, for example, that I spoke to, who said that they couldn't wait to get back. They also have two parents, one who's in remission for cancer. You know, so even, you know, our drive to do what's best for our students and to be there for our students, again, kind of outweighs, you know, other factors in our lives, you know, because we're trying to do the best. But I think everybody's kind of um, uneasy, um, not just, and when I say uneasy, I don't mean just them going back to school and the, and, you know, the issue of, of COVID going around, but I think also uneasy for if the plan changes, you know, if we have to be out. I mean, there's just so much up in the air sure. um, that could happen, you and know. That's and what that's what I think
0: happen. everybody's thinking about that. You know, what if this, yeah. what if that, what happens if this happens? It, it, it's a whole new world, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Cagney Weaver is an academic strategist at Biloxi Upper Elementary School. Thank you, Cagney, for sharing your thoughts on this. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning.